I am Mark Walton. I do the voice of Rhino. I'm a hipster, but I'm really not. It's a Mission Electrical Podcast with you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we proudly present our spectacular show of podcast magic and imagination full of Disney wonder, news, and pop culture. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast with Jim Novotny and David Dollar. Hey, Jen. Hey, Dave. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back to the Main Street Electrical Podcast. This is my rock star co-host, Jen, who's headed back to Disney this week. Uh, I sure am. Spending Halloween at Disney. So uh, I guess that's going to be my question is, how did you Disney this week? (laughs) Well, how about um, how am I going to Disney this week? Because I'm going to Disney this week. Very nice. um, so, okay, so yeah. where are we staying? I know All Star Movies is not open yet, so you had to slum it somewhere else. I mean, so I'm going to slum it at Bay Lake Tower. Mm, okay. Yeah, uh, we did is that the a one moderate? bedroom. I don't remember. Yeah, that's a deluxe. Mm, I'm sure it is. <laughs> deluxe villa. Um, yeah, so we're going to do the one bedroom. We were initially going to do like one night at Animal Kingdom and then into Bay Lake, but mm-hmm. then we just changed to all Bay Lake. Oh, nice. I mean, that. Why wouldn't you? It's you, know, so, you want to move. It's across I don't want to move. It's too short it's, of a trip. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just in so the mean, convenient. And, and in the meantime, I'm prepping by drinking out of my Dumbo mug, which I just found. It had been put away in a weird cabinet, and I was in that weird cabinet. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, my mug. Well, I'm glad you found it. Very, very I nice. Too. Of course, I am Disney, but I got my uh, my background, my All Star Sports background behind me here, just for you, with the big helmets and the football field there. You know, the, the uh, audience can't see my no, they my eye roll. Your your uh, your delightful smile, and uh, mm-hmm. I am wearing I am wearing my that's a wrap T shirt from the <gasps> yes. Osborne Family Christmas lights. So I was there um, one of the last two weeks, I think they did it, and uh, you know when they when they closed it down in twenty fifteen, you were there mm-hmm. one, one of the last days, weren't you, or the last? Day I was there like I, it, it was like the last weekend. Okay, that it was up at all. Was and it crowded. I, Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, the line, yeah. I had never seen the line to get into the Osborne lights that long. I'm trying to remember where we had to get into queue, mm-hmm. but it was somewhere near the, um, at that point, great mm-hmm. movie ride. Right. It was like, I mean, it was past it, but right. like I could see it. <laughs> well, and if you've never, so. if you don't remember, if, if you don't remember where the Osborne lights were, basically, if you're the great movie ride, which is now Mickey's Runaway Railway, right. you take a left and you go down that street past the ABC Commissary and you keep walking around that corner where the, where the stop, mm-hmm. Rider Stop Cafe was and mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the Sci Fi Cafe, everything around the corner, and you're walking to the streets of America, which had yeah. scrims, and, which I, I like the streets of America. I really Oh, do. I love the streets of America. Um, <laughs> and so the Osborne lights were all through there and talking about millions of lights, and there's a whole story there. Well, maybe we should do a, we'll, we'll do an episode about that one of these days. I think we should. I still have. I have my glasses, my 3D glasses from the last <laughs> Osborne Lights over there. In my fun, <laughs> fun. So, like, when I went, um, there was my myself, my child, who was, like, I guess four, eight, yeah. four at the time, three at the time, doing the math there. Um, I think he just just had 
he was about to turn four. And uh, my wife and my mother-in-law and everything, and they had gone to the restroom, gone to get something to eat or whatever they mm-hmm. were doing. And so he and I were kind of strolling through, and it was really crowded and everything. But we got to stand on the corner and watch the Osborne lights the last time. So by the time yeah. we got done eating, I met them and everything. By the time we got to eating coming out, it started raining. So we got to enjoy the Osborne lights. The streets had cleared out. It was closing time. And it was a monsoon, so we're all watching the lights, and just everybody's dripping wet. Everybody's soaked. He's got a cover on his stroller, and you know my shoes are ruined. It's just it's all a mess. But I was able to see it before it rained, so I saw it one last time, and then they missed it the last time because it had been raining. And they played the they did the lights, but they didn't do the music and stuff, which was sad. But um, right. So yeah, mm-hmm. and then, of course we got back, and my mother in law is here. Put a hair dryer in your shoe; that'll help dry it out. Put a hole in my shoe, which was all fun. <gasps> so you know, just a little tip for you: don't use Disney hair dryers to prop into your oh shoe to help dry them out because it puts well you put it in your shoe that's the well, problem you're not supposed to put shoe. it in here, here's the thing don't tell her i said this but i didn't set it up she did i was actually kind of close oh. to the idea i'm like i don't know that i want a full-blown hair dryer sitting in my shoe and she was like well let me fix it for you and then about an hour mm. later there's literally a hole burned in my shoe and i'm like this doesn't help me any at all. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So those, mm. those dry hair dryers are, are pretty uh, pretty those are pretty intense. Pretty um, intense. I I have a story about the Osborne lights. Do you? I love to hear I do. It. It's about um, my other co-hostess, Christine. Oh, the Divas Dish Diz podcast, the original right. Diz Dishers. The original Diz Dishers. Yeah, um so I'm good. All right. We gotta back up a few years. Mm-hmm. Christine and I had met literally strictly online. That's a story for another day. Right. Okay. We were co-hostesses. We talked on the phone. We like texted, but we were, you know. Sounds weird. Think of it like online dating, except yes. it was like an online friendship. Yep. So yep. We, chat rooms we had, at Love AOL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, right. So we just, we talked all the time and, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm coming down. And then for whatever reason, we would never be able to meet up in person because, right, right, right. you know, she lives in Florida. Right. So finally she's like, oh my gosh, I'm also going to be at studios that night that you get here because I'm going to, that was when Periscope was really big mm-hmm. and she was a huge scoper and they were all going to go Periscope the lights. And I'm like, Perfect you know, just text me, message me and we'll, you know, meet up somewhere in the park. Right. So I know she's there because I see her live on Periscope. I can't find her though. Okay. Because you know, you're in the line and you have to walk through. Right. right. So then finally, like we had made it through, she was obviously somewhere behind me and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go to the back lot express. So, you know, just come find me. Mm -hmm. She never found me. She was too busy crying in the middle of the Osborne lights and literally did not see her that trip. I didn't meet her in person for two more months when I came back down. And you were probably 30 yards away. You know, probably. Like right and there. so yeah. my joke is always that she ignored me, that like she just didn't want to meet me and she ignored me. It was like a blind date basically where she saw you. I love you, like, Christine. Yeah, I'm going to back into the crowd here and I'll just meet up with her later. I get yeah. that. I get that. So, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's my story. And I like to make fun of her for it. That's kind of fun. That's awesome. What's also fun too is our guest coming up here, which if you heard yes. the top of the show, a little scatting there, that mm-hmm. is Mark Walton, the voice of Rhino. And I've been super excited to have this guy on. And uh, we spend the next hour, hour and 10 minutes, and he's going to tell some right. stories about Emperor's New Groove, about Tarzan, about Bolt, of course, mm-hmm. about animation. Uh, and I love, Jen and I both the same way. We love behind the scenes stuff. And so I love watching love animated films. And I'm like, oh, I know stories about this. Of course, my wife, Stephanie, is like, I don't care. Shut up. Watch the movie. I'm like, no, no. See that character there? That was actually supposed to be. Shut up. Watch the movie. So yeah, that, that's me. But um, but yeah, this is a fun interview. So we'll see you guys on the other side.
I am super excited because, again, Jen and I have talked about this. Having this podcast allows us to talk to so many cool people. Mm -hmm. And one of the coolest people, I think, that we haven't talked to them yet, we're going to. So at the end of the episode, I'll say coolest people we've ever talked to. And is the voice of one of my favorite Disney characters of all time. That is Rhino from Bolt. His name is Mark Walton. And not just a voiceover actress. He's done art stuff. He's done story, story, writing story stuff. Or story writing. Screenplay. Animation. Well, we know cinematography. We'll get to that later. But <laughs> done some great stuff. Mark Walton coming to us now. Uh, Mr. Walton, how are you, sir? Woo! Yeah. Great. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Oh, we're excited to have you. And so excited. I got to tell you, Jen, I, like I said, he's been emailing. We've been emailing back and forth, and he's been excited to be on our show. And I'm like, that makes me pumped that he's excited. I was to like, be like on I'm our excited show. that he's excited to be on our show. I mean, is that. I'm excited. Jen's excited that Mark's excited to be on our show, and it's just a big circle, and it's awesome. Um, top of every top of every uh, every interview we do, we got to ask you, Mark, how did you Disney this week? Well, I did where my uh, haunted mansion uh, uh, kind of bowling style shirt yesterday when ah. I was uh, out for a walk with my, my yeah. lovely wife and two daughters. Um, I believe, maybe it wasn't this week, it may, have, it may have been last week that I was listening to uh, kind of the, the, the haunted mansion soundtrack. I, I'm a bit of a crazy nut for the haunted mansion. You know, I'm one of those weirdos that just mm. like wants to find out how they made everything and all the people that drew and designed mm -hmm. things and figured out the sound effects. And they'll, you know, I, I just, I, I, I would love to have my ashes spread all over the haunted mansion props and stuff. You know, I, I think I, we just became best friends. I was gonna say, oh, else like I think, <laughs> I think, like, I'm in my haunted mansion office. Jen is a huge haunted mansion nut, which I is really can funny. See that. That's yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm always. I'm always up for talking about, you know, the, 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 did, did you, so did you guys see that auction that they had? This is what, a couple of months ago. Uh, um, uh, the Van Eaton Galleries was, was actually auctioning off a bunch of uh, Disneyland memorabilia. Yes. And you could, you could get one of, I think, one of the Haunted Mansion clamshell mm -hmm. cars right. if you really yeah. want. I'm surprised. Had it not been for a pandemic, Jen probably would have sprung for that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. she'd be sitting in one of the, uh, the Doom Buggy right now podcasting. That'd be my office awesome. chair. <laughs> office yeah, chair. <laughs> yeah there, were, there were a lot of things I thought, oh man, you know, a couple of years ago, 10 years ago, I, I, I'd be all over that, you know, but now, and now I, I don't know, you, you may not, you probably won't get to this point uh, for a while, but I, now I'm getting to the point, you know, I'm in my fifties. I'm like, you know, how much longer am I going to be around to enjoy these things before they just, <laughs> they become somebody else's problem. You know, maybe, maybe I should just, you know, let somebody else a little younger, you know, with a little more space and disposable income, enjoy them, you know, and uh, I can just, you know, window shop and look at pictures of them. I suppose. That's, that's a great mentality to have whenever I'm doing my pin shopping at Disney world, or I'm doing my Funko pop shopping on Amazon. Oh, well, you, you yeah, know, those but, things yeah. don't take up a lot of room, but you know, oh, a, they a, do. A car, you know, like oh, they they had the they had the cars from from uh, the Space Mountain. You know, yes. Like, well, how cool right. would it be to have one of those? But yeah, where what would you, you put that? What would you, would you make it into a bed? I don't know. You know, <laughs> I was uh, at a. 
a shop called Theme Park Connections in Orlando, and this is oh, when they had an actual place. store. Um, they're, they're all online, but they had one of the original Pirates of the Caribbean ships, like from their ride, one what? of the old ones they had taken out. It was like $1,500. You could walk inside of it. It was like this, this basically like a little <sighs> shed pirate ship from Pirates of the Caribbean. And my first thought wasn't, oh, that's ridiculous. Who's going to want that? My first thought was, 1500 that's not a bad price for that where and i'm having just Can for I a put second it in my backyard and for a second i'm thinking of like, no backyard with us so i'm thinking in my living room we would just put the couch inside of it and you could look through. <laughs> just for there a second just for a second before i you know got divorced for my wife for bringing that home going hey honey oh. um here's a flatbed truck outside <laughs> so. dude i you know what there was a time i would have i wouldn't i would have just gotten it and just thought about how what to do with it later <laughs> right. you know? and, I, and my, my house is full of those kinds of things where i never figured out what to do with it you know so <laughs> Yes, I understand all too well. <laughs> so I want to jump in here because I, Jen and I have been kind of going back and forth talking about like yeah. your career. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating. And, and I know that you, you, in talking to you before, you kind of downplayed a little bit, you know, whatever. But you're, you're a voice in Disney. You're a voice in some of the mm-hmm. great characters in Disney. I mean, you're, you're the voice of Bolt and Rhino, which we'll definitely talk about in a few minutes because it's my favorite character. But, you know, oh. Goosey Lucy and Chicken Little. You were Barry and Bob, the Longhorns at Home on the Range. Mm-hmm. You were a voice in Turbo, which wasn't Disney, but, uh, you know, we're in there. And not only that, the fact that you've done – you've been in the art department. You've been in the animation yeah. department. You've been a writer. Um, first things first, though, the cinematography of Psycho Cop, we found out that actually wasn't you, correct? <laughs> No, that was, um, I, I, I don't, uh, there's apparently another shadowy Mark Walton out there that's done all kinds of things that I am, I'm getting credit for. It's, it's like one of those great science fiction episodes where you know, people come up to me and, uh, you know, ask me about these things that I've done. I, I, I never did that. I have no memory of doing that. So yeah, no, I, unless, um, you know, I've got some Jekyll and Hyde thing going on, I <laughs> <laughs> don't think I've ever uh, had anything to do with Psycho Cop or the cinematography for Psycho Cop. Too. That's one of the one of the things on uh, IMDb that's uh, you, you know that I, I hope they're right most of the time. But yeah, there's a couple of things. It's funny. I actually uh, I actually got a job a couple of years ago because um, this this director said, "Oh, I." just was really impressed looking at your IMDb page. And I saw that, you know, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd worked on Zootopia and you'd worked on, uh, the nut job, you know, like, um, no, I, I didn't work on either one of those movies. Sorry. You know, and I wish, I wish, I really wish I particularly, I actually, I've never seen the nut job too. I wish I'd worked on Zootopia. I have friends. I have a, I try, you know, I, I taught somebody who ended up being a head of story on Zootopia. That was kind of uh, an honor for me, but, but yeah, so they, so I'd say, sorry. I, and and so they, they said, Oh, well, what have you worked on? And I, I actually did some stuff on them and they said, Oh, okay. I guess you're, you're pretty good anyway. (laughs) so (laughs) i guess we'll give you the job i'll give you the job i know it actually worked out really well i I love that guy um we've we've had a lot of fun working together i hope to work on uh other projects uh with him in in the future so yeah i I can imagine across the country there's probably a podcast that specializes in cult films and they Mm -hmm. have somebody named mark walton on and they're asking about (laughs) bolt he's like that's not me i didn't do the voice of bolt i'm the cinematographer from psycho cop I'm a serious <laughs> filmmaker. I didn't work on these cartoons. What is this? I didn't do the voice of a hamster. But <laughs> Stop asking so, me for autographs now. So <laughs> which one, how did you get started? Where did you get started first? Was it the writing? Was it the animation? Was it voiceover? How mm-hmm. did your career progress from well, through, through the films? 
Well, so, you know, uh, when I, before I, I got uh, a job at Disney, uh, that, that was like my big, you know, I, I, the jobs I'd had before that were like delivering pizza and, right. uh, you know, uh, <laughs> taking, taking parking tickets at the air, the local airport. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd gone to school to, to be an illustrator. I'd always been a fan of animation, I should say, and mm. illustration. Uh, but just, you know, the, the idea that I'd actually get a job and it was just like, well, sure, maybe I could be an astronaut or, uh, you know, go out to the circus and, and you know, uh, <laughs> be shot out of a cannon. That'd be just as likely. Uh, but um, I, I happened to have a friend who found out about this internship going on uh, at the Disney Studios in Florida, uh, who, uh, you know, they were the only ones at the time that were doing mm -hmm. uh, uh, internships for Disney uh, at yeah. that time, as far as I know. And so I, I threw some stuff that I'd done for school together and really thought nothing would, would come of it. And uh, mm -hmm. what I didn't know is that uh, right at that time, Lion King had just come out and made like a billion dollars worldwide. Wow. Um, Jeffrey Katzenberg had felt kind of mistreated and taken and, and, mm -hmm. and gone and taken a sizable number of Disney employees with him to start DreamWorks animation. Yeah. Yep. And yep. Disney was looking to like say, hey, we're, instead of making a movie every couple of years, let's make a couple of movies a year, or at least work up right. to that. And so they were just grabbing people out of CalArts, you know, the, one of the schools that they recruit heavily from, mm -hmm. you know, people that hadn't even graduated yet to say, hey, can you draw, good enough, you know, yeah. uh, we can teach you to do the rest. And so it was kind of this perfect storm of, of, of me uh, applying. And I, it's the funny thing is actually, I, I first kind of was, was uh, recruited by this department within Disney that just did like the animation that was in uh, TV commercials that had uh, mm -hmm. Disney characters in it or, or where they had uh, animation in Disney rides that wanted to, that was supposed to look like Disney quality stuff. Like they did, uh, there was this, there was this thing in Epcot for a while in the, uh, you know, I can't remember what uh, it was. Something with Timon and Pumbaa talking about uh, the circle of the, the life. Circle of oh, life. Yeah, 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 the show. Circle. You know what? Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They, yep, so they yeah. did that. They actually did some really pretty high quality stuff. So I, so it wasn't really like I was going to work on a movie, but I thought, hey, it's working for Disney. You know, right. I, that's uh, how can I ask for more? And from there, I'll try to keep this it's a really crazy story i'll try to just hit, <laughs> no, hit the highlights oh, yes we love um, it we love disney history so please you know so so yeah uh, yeah so this would have been uh what 1995 the fall of 95 mm -hmm. i went down to florida and did the internship there and that was fun just because you know um they they were still in a, a lot of they were just kind of building up they built from being you know, this, this a theme park attraction themselves, you know, where people would come through and supposedly, you know, they, they, it was this, this uh, art of animation tour. You'd, you'd look through the glass and you'd see the, the idea was that you'd see people working on the latest uh, Roger Rabbit short or something like that. Yeah. That, that whole, that whole yep. thing got yeah, I remember more that. complicated yep. than they thought. Mm -hmm. uh, but what happened was that uh, a lot of a uh, animators and, and people, who want they wanted to work for Disney, but they wanted to live on the East Coast. You know, some of them were mm -hmm. from Florida or New York, and they had family back there. And so that facility just got bigger and bigger. And they just built these, they put these trailers, you know, uh, back there behind, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the uh, the the animation tour building with the fishbowl, as we called, because people could put their hand in your face, right, right <laughs> in the glass and look at us from above. 
to the point where it really became its own studio and its own ride. And uh, I, I think a few years, several years after I was there, they actually built a nice, really, a really nice big building, you know, mm-hmm. to house everybody instead of those trailers. Um, but it was fun because you could, uh, you know, on, on our trailer where they had the trainees, you, you, you could see a really great shot of the Tower of Terror that they just built oh, a little while that's before. Awesome. You go out and have lunch and you're, <laughs> that was when they had two, two drops, you know, in the whole right. thing. You know, I guess they started with just one, you know, and now mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> you know, you're going up and down. You don't know which direction you're going in at a certain point. But yeah, so getting to like, break into the park and you know go on the tower of terror or, uh star tours or something like that at almost a moment's notice was was a lot of fun just being yeah. right right there and then of course we also um what they did with the trainees is they put us they, they put all of us in the fishbowl because we were the ones who would be working seven days a week you know all the all the right? time trying to trying to get our assignments done we had no lives outside of uh, the the internship and so you know they, they knew the tourists would always have somebody uh, you know the funny thing we joked around because we, we had these assignments like uh you know doing a cleanup uh on a scene from the jungle book you know or, mm. or like oh there's a scene from the rescuers and we thought oh those crazy people probably think we're doing some sequel to the jungle book or aladdin or whatever <laughs> wouldn't that be insane <laughs> all the all the uncomfortable questions those tour guides will have to answer like little did we know <laughs> how things would not not for us but for, for some people you know i i would actually do things where uh uh, I, I, I'd heard stories about people, like the tour guides being asked, like, are those really animators or are they really people that work for Disney? They're not just actors being paid. It's like, no, no, they really work for, you know, technically we weren't really working on a movie yet. You know, right, the, hope, right. the hope was that we would make it through the internship and actually do something. And I did. So, you know, you know but, but every once in a while, if I knew there was a big group, I'd, I'd sit at my desk and uh, it won't do any good for your, your podcast listeners, but I'd be you know, sitting there like, moving my, my head and my arm mechanically and I'll go up to my phone back when we had it I'll go I turn around and go you know the tour guy say dude what are you doing you're totally undermining our legitimacy we're telling people you're real and you're you know why are you doing this to us but anyway, we had, sorry, that's way more time talking oh, about that's the, great, though. That's the internship that I had planned. Oh, but yeah, that was, oh, that was the other thing. I See, that was the, the thing that um, uh, when we were living there, you know, they had us living in the same kind of uh, nice uh, uh, places that the people who worked in Epcot, you know, they bring these, these kids in from all over the world mm-hmm. to work in World Showcase and uh, well, they had some wild parties. <laughs> they were, they that kind of doesn't surprise were, me, actually. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were up partying, having late night uh, crazy stuff. Um, but we take the buses together, typically. Those of us who didn't have cars like me, you know, to, to get to the, uh, you know, to the facility where we, where we were working. Mm-hmm. And I had, I was one of the only people that had to flash my ID because I had a beard. Not like this crazy brush right. on my face <laughs> right now, but, you know, a beard. And, um, our, you know, the, the park, yeah, you know, has regulations about what you can wear and, and facial hair. You typically don't have any facial hair unless you were, uh, 
Dreamfinder, whatever his name was, you know, in Journey of the Imagination. Mm-hmm. This probably wasn't even his real beard. It's probably something he put on when he got there. <laughs> um, and so I had to show my ID to prove that I was there and that I was allowed to do that. They didn't used to allow, allow uh, the, the animation employees in Florida to do that until there were so many of them that were mm-hmm. coming in. And, they, and they were going, come on, you know, everybody in California has, you know, there's people wearing all kinds of crazy clothes, you know, and right, right. or whatever, you know, you know, if they come in clothes, they're happy. Uh, <laughs> and so finally they said, yeah, you know, I, I don't think, uh, you know, guests of the park are going to expect the people who work for animation to look quite as clean cut and boring, you know, mm-hmm. as, as everybody else in the park, you know, so they gave them exceptions, but I still got questions for me because, you know, I'm coming in with all these clean cut kids, you know, going to world showcase. And so, some, sometimes people would ask me, so, so how come you have a beard? And I'd say, well, I'm, I'm part of the uh, animatronic replacement program in the park. And they were like, the what, the what? And I'd say, well, you know, I mean, all the time there's a problem. You know, one of the, one of the animatrons in Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, get a, springs a leak in their pneumatic joints here, you know, the, the, the gets a head tick or something. And it's just rather than taking the thing out and having a big hole where they would be, it's so much easier to just dress an actor up. They've got the costumes there. They've got extra clothes for them and, mm-hmm. you know, just have them move around and you oh know, they, you know, they, they pop them, screw them back in, you know? So I'm, I'm usually, I'm usually a pirate or I'm one of the ghosts, you know, one of the scarier <laughs> ghosts. And, 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 and you, you, it's funny, you get some kids who go, really? And then you get some people like, come on. And then, and then I go, no, really, it's not that hard. It's like, Arr, blow them cockroaches to the next kingdom. <laughs> you know, I can't try to remember it. And then and they go, really? Like, no. And then they go, oh, you're a jerk. Old jerk, you know. That's how I entertained myself, you know, when I was That's amazing. telling lies. You and I could be best friends now. This is. This <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Right, <laughs> totally do that. Well, but uh, but yeah. So I but anyway. I so I did that for three months, and I, I honestly did not know. Do you mind if I take this? It's oh, a little. Please. It's getting a little warm here <laughs> in, in Utah. But it's it's fine. We have these cold days, and then suddenly suddenly it'll get up in the seventy, the balmy seventies. Uh, yeah, that's that's know. the way it is in Alabama. Except it'll be fifty five in the morning and eighty seven in the afternoon. So. We have we have a few days like that. It's yeah. it's very it's very unpredictable. I mean, generally it's getting cooler these days. But yeah, you 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 get these October surprises where I make it up. You know, like in the nineties. You know, and then, then oh that, yeah, and then a week we had a November. I think it was after Halloween where it was like in the seventies, and that night it dropped down to like. 25 or something like that Pittsburgh yes it was like woke up it was 33 degrees and then it was like 80 degrees like, holy yeah. crap <laughs> like, all right just prepared for anything you Basically. know well, one, of, one of the reasons i love talking to you is because you're in that era of disney films that I, they call basically the post-renaissance it's after right. the after the lion king and hercules <laughs> or whatever and it's before i guess they the, the golden era is what they're calling it now with rapunzel and princess whatever you're in that era of of films that i honestly think are very underappreciated because maybe they weren't huge successes when they came out but i know so many i know <laughs> no. so many people that love Bolt, that love Meet yeah. the Robinsons, that love mm-hmm. Emperor's New Groove, that love right. Chicken yeah. Little. I mean, I, I have a friend of mine online that Chicken Little is her favorite Disney movie of all time. And she's really? always, she's always is... talking about it online. She's like, mm-hmm. Chicken Little is great, blah, blah, blah. And, and so I love the fact that you're in that era because that's not an era that's talked about fondly by yeah. some people. 
or by yeah, critics. Or, or at all. By critics, basically. <laughs> um, but I do want to ask you, I know that, and, and again, I'm looking at IMDb, and so you'll have yeah. to kind of correct me here if I miss something, but like uh, you're, you're credited with additional story in Emperor's New Groove. Now, does yeah. that mean you just threw a line in there and so you got a credit, or are you actually involved in the writing process, or, or yeah, what? Well, you know, different, different uh, producers, mm-hmm. uh, can, it, it's kind of scary, actually. They can kind of choose what they want to do as far as credits. You know, I mean, at, right. the, end of the, at the end of the day, um, it's, you know, it's not like in the old days where, where there were people who, you know, worked for Disney who did tons of stuff and then mm-hmm. never got their name in the credits, you know, sure. yeah, people gave, you know, decades of their lives and, and did stuff, but it was only like the top supervisors or I think they, there was a, there was a thing where like you had to put so many hours in before, you know, and that was, that was a while down the road before they even got to that point. Right. Um, but even, even when I was at Disney, I, I worked on some little short project and, uh, I thought the prod, I thought the producer liked me, liked my stuff, and he didn't put my name in the credits. But right. you know, he just didn't, didn't, didn't want to, didn't feel like it. Um, typically, when somebody gets additional story credit, what it means is that they did, they, they did storyboards or you know, or story concepts or or whatever. Um, that did not get used in the final film okay. so you know okay. they, they so they did the stuff they got paid for it you know they were asked to do it mm-hmm. you know they weren't just they weren't just like submitting it like a like a fan person you know from the outside but yeah. in the end for whatever reason uh you know they they, they cut it out at the last second or they went in a, they went in a different direction so uh <laughs> i've actually had a lot of movies uh well probably i'm sure every movie i've worked on that i've had some material that you know or maybe even most of the material that i generated that didn't get used and then there were movies mm-hmm. like uh emperor's new group where i don't think anything i did actually ended up in the movie mm-hmm. i had a great time working right on it. uh you know part of the stuff that i did on emperor's new groove uh was at i don't know if you have you have you guys watched the sweat box i was going to ask you about yeah. that and the production of and jen i don't know if you know about it but emperors in the group had mm-hmm. a very troubled production and what oh. you got in the yeah, final yeah. film was completely different from what was actually like their sting was involved like the, the artist sting a lot of his songs were cut out and just he was what? and mark could probably talk a little bit more about it oh, here i am listen, saying like you, i was there but you you've but yeah. got and i was that's that's the, that was what I, I have to say i mean for all the uh movies that i watched that that i worked on that you know never got shown or never got made you know yeah. uh, or, or you know or, or never you know got the acclaim that you know say mm-hmm. a lion king would um i do have a lot of stories <laughs> that i think are pretty pretty interesting yeah but you ne- you really need to watch this movie and, and the reason that movie exists at all was because uh as they was saying that uh sting was involved and and part of the agreement for him working on the f- on the film and doing uh songs for the film which there were supposed to be quite a few was that his wife who was a filmmaker maybe she still is would get uh to make a documentary on the making of the movie which had never been done you know, I mean, they'd have oh. these, these little, you know, fake recreated way after the fact, you know, things like, hi, Walt, I've got an idea. Instead of nine dwarves, let's do seven. I like it, Dave. <laughs> Put it in there. Like, so here's a little ditty I call whistle while you work, you know, and then it goes. So that, that's amazing. How long did it take you to do that? I just woke up this morning with this song in my head, you know, uh, these, these guys, you know, they, they're just very sanitized and very like, oh, right. the, the, the final product was the first thing that they came up with and all the other stuff is just, you know, swept under mm-hmm. the rug. But, but they agreed to do this with Sting's wife. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed. I can't remember her name. So like, you know, it's like, like Trina Sting. or something like that. It's, it's probably something. 
I should look it up. Um, But but anyway, so yeah, so they gave her access and they they were filming story meetings and interviews with people all through the production, which changed names and Mm -hmm. changed directors and uh, all and and completely changed the story a few times. And one of of the things when I was working on this was kind of after the dust had settled and it was no longer to Mm -hmm. be going to be Kingdom of the Sun, where uh, these, you know, it was, it was uh, it, they kind of settled on, you know, uh, it was going to be Manko. They changed it to Cusco because it means something nasty in Japanese. Uh, oh. And and, uh, and and Pacha, the villager, who are, you know, kind of become uneasy, unlikely allies yeah. and friends. You know, he's the villager. But there used to be uh, a whole village and they were like big characters in the movie. And so there was a lot of business, you know, with... Uh, the you know uh, Chica, the woman who made potions and medicines, and there was a there was a guy that Adam West was going to do the voice of that was you know he, he at first uh, Cusco thinks he's going to help him get out of the village uh, that he has all these connections, then it turns out he's crazy and he talks to dolls and inanimate objects, his his you know co spies or whatever. You know, there's this whole long thing. It's really funny, really funny. In the end, they thought this is too much. For the movie, we really need to focus on just Pacha and Cusco, you know, on their yeah. adversarial relationship and then their friendship, which I think was smart. But so I did a lot of stuff when those those other you know villager characters that, that just ended up. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to think that had they they kept going in that direction, maybe some of the stuff I did uh, would have stayed. Mm-hmm. But it didn't anyway. But I had fun doing it. Right. I had really fun, sure. Fun assignments, I, and I you know I could spend a whole other podcast just talking about the. The, the Sweatbox is on YouTube. Um, okay. Watch it sometime. And, and, and uh, Vimeo, really good. Vimeo, I think you could see like an even oh, longer version yep. than was on. Okay. Uh, but it's on YouTube too. That's great. Yeah. I just I, know I, that. I, uh, I know that the end song is by Sting. It's called My Funny Friend and Me. It's a great song, but it does oh, not match the movie at all. Like, it doesn't fit with the movie. It's just like a ballad, and it's like, what is this doing in this quirky movie? And that's because that's not what the song was written for. Uh, right. But it's a great documentary, but... Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the funny thing is, like, at the time, I thought, I remember thinking, like, man, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened to Disney's. How lucky I was that I was here for it. Little would I know <laughs> there would be many more experiences like, not exactly like that, but similar to, you know, where things just did a 180, you know, some, right. sometimes late into the production. You know, it seemed like it would go get later and later where they go, oh, this isn't working at all. We need to do something really different, you know, oh and uh, we've got, what, nine months before the movie comes out? Okay, let's, let's, let's get on going. This, out, you know, so. this will be easy. Let's just draw faster. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Of course, you did work on Tarzan. You did work yes. on Chicken Little, which, I, like I said, I like Chicken Little quite a bit. I saw mm-hmm. it in the theater. I thought it was a really fun film. Um, Meet the Robinsons. Uh, any, I'm guessing, fond recollections from, from some of those films? Uh, any oh, stories yeah, or things you think yeah. about? Well, you know, so, so Tarzan was the first movie that I, I worked on. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I, I, I spent five hours, you know, not answering your first initial no, question. It's great. It's great. Into, we love it. Uh, in destroy, but just 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 briefly, uh, you know. So I I, I did the in, uh, the internship, and I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be an animator because that was the sexy thing. Nobody talked mm-hmm. about story people. <laughs> right. you know, who, who was a story <laughs> artist that worked for Disney? You know, uh, and and the people who ran the internship said, you know, I think you really should think about going into story, which may have been called for 
code for you're you're a terrible animator. You would not have, <laughs> and they were right. I wouldn't have survived. You know, I, my my tests were really long and tortured, and uh, you know, I, I I just got lost in the details. Uh, but I actually did really enjoy it. It almost seemed like it was too easy. Like, well, how, this is I'm just making really rough drawings, and I don't have to time anything. It's not going to end up on the movie screen. Um, anyway, but then I, uh, I I end up doing this Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, oh. musical discovery adventure tour they used to have these tours where they go around the country and you know draw the characters for kids and ask their answer their questions and and the i could talk a long time about that but the the big thing with that was that i met kevin harkey who trained me and two other guys to draw like disney story artists mm -hmm. and he was the one who said hey you're a good story artist you should pursue story art i would like to work with you as a story artist and made me think, oh, wow, maybe he knows what he's talking about. And it turns out Kevin Harkey is like one of the best story artists ever, you know, oh he's amazing. And he was like, he was the co-head of, uh, of, of, of Story on Tarzan for a while. And so after the tour was over, uh, after some back and forth, he, and he took me on as his apprentice, uh, you know, to, to kind of help him get everything done on Tarzan. And that's, so that's how I got into Disney. That's how oh, I got cool. out of Florida and, you know, got into the story department. Mm -hmm. And from there, I was like, oh, my gosh, I was crazy to ever think I'd want to do anything else. Story is, you know, I love the, the I, I love the idea that you can draw all the different characters in the movie, or a lot of them, you know, and the, you, you, you try your hand in a lot of different sequences. You're not stuck on drawing one character like you typically are as, a, as an animator, you know, and it's not, it's not as fussy and not as you know, uh, tedious in my mind, at least as, as, you know, working my way through cleanup would have right. been, uh, you know, I just, I was just in, in school. I was always the person that enjoyed coming up with the idea for my assignments more than I actually liked finishing them and right. making them look <laughs> beautiful, you know, and now story's gotten a little bit more involved, you know, and now that it's being mostly done digitally and mm -hmm. you can add animation and color and effects you know, uh, more, more easily than you could. Uh, but still it's, it's kind of, it's, it's the phase that most interests me. So I was really lucky yeah. to get into that. So yeah, so I get on to Tarzan and my first assignment, one of my first, very first assignment was that Glenn King had come up with this idea in the middle of the movie. It was the first sequence that was going to go into production, I think, where the baboons are chasing Tarzan and Jane there mm -hmm. and, and, and Glenn Keane, you know, from France had done all these, these little thumbnails of, of this, this kind of roller coaster sequence that's kind of in the middle after they dive, they take a pause and then you dive down into the canopy and they're going whoop. And he said, I don't have time to do it. Glenn King doesn't have time to do this. He's animating Tarzan. I don't have time to do this. I'm, I'm supervising all these other sequences. You take a crack at it. And so I got to work with Glenn King's little sharpie thumbnail oh. things and try to make something and i needed a lot of hand holding and guidance as it turned out from kevin harkey but uh but still it was pretty exciting you know to have so cool. something like that and i ended up doing a a, a little bit more uh, of that on another sequence where uh the uh the leopard is is attacking tarzan from inside of a tree there was some stuff where he's mm. rolling around underneath the uh the branches and I and I got to do a lot of cleanup and fixes on the uh, trash in the camp scene, which you know, oh, not yeah. most of that had been worked on many times by other story artists and and visual development artists. So the funny thing was, I was really the last in a long line of people who just took some notes and and I came up with a few original ideas. And sometimes it was just 
like they, they, they had, a, they wanted to make it so it looked like it was all the same hand that worked. So sometimes it was just even cleaning up what other people had done, but mm-hmm. in the, in the making of book, it makes it look like I did the whole sequence by myself because I was kind of the last hand, you know, that, right. uh, that touched a lot of it, but Hey, you know, I was, and if you forget for the it. correct people, then that's okay. Too, I mean, whatever. It's a cross I have to bear, but, uh, you know. but yeah, but no, I, I was, I was, Tarzan was, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I'm pretty pleased with how the movie turned out. I, yeah. I don't know if it got quite as much uh, money and recognition as some of the other, but I think it's pretty well it's regarded. A good film. It's a it's really a good film. Regarded. It's really solid. It, you know, did, and it, it did pretty well. It's considered yeah. part of the Renaissance. I mean, it's the last movie in that Renaissance period, so that's automatically yeah. puts it into classic stat. Trust me, yeah. I would watch Tarzan ten times before I would watch Hunchback of Notre Dame again, which I'm not a fan of. And so, oh, see, now you know, the, the, the funny thing is when when so Hunchback was the movie that was being done when I started for Disney, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when I, when I was in the internship, you know, and, and a lot of the people that I was in the internship with, uh, that did not go on a promotional tour, like I did actually ended up doing cleanup, you know, that's, I guess what I could have done had I, I turned the internship down, you know, but, Oh, sorry. It's my, my alarm going on. All right. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, but I remember thinking at the time, I was like, wow, this is like a Serious, dark movie where really, you know, Disney is broadening the definition of what could be done in the animation medium. You know, we don't have to just do stories for kids. We can tell serious, adult, scary, <laughs> complicated, classic really stories. Really creepy villains. You know, really, really creepy, creepy villains. villains. You know, and and so I, I remember at the time. I mean, part of it, I'm sure, was that I was just excited to be there and right. and and you know, be be a part of all this and then and then promote the movie, even if I wasn't actually. Right working on it and you know I, I still think there's a lot of I, I i gotta say i i love that soundtrack i feel like it's one of the best one of the most underrated that, soundtracks yeah. oh dude i mean those songs and and i gotta say because we had to listen to those songs while we we're on the tour 24 mm-hmm. 7 every week for six months so you know if anything should have rubbed us the wrong way you <laughs> it know should have been i i love those songs you know yeah. I, I just think the uh, the uh, the 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 lyricist and and i think it's it's some of um oh i can't think of uh you know the uh the uh, the composer al menken um, you know yeah, I think it's al menken, his, yeah best work you know it you know going back to it uh, uh, years later i i have to say it's funny. I loved the gargoyles, and that's kind of what I drew the most on the tour. Was like oh, the funny great. gargoyles. Right. I think I, I you know, the gargoyles are so funny. Now looking at it's like there's this weird disconnect between these very serious, you know, disturbing themes of uh, you know the you know, Frollo, you know, putting in the moves on Esmeralda, and you know, having a fantasy in front of the fire, and then like waka waka waka, hey, we're gonna, <laughs> a guy like you, we never no kid, you know, and it's like, and it was like my, my friend Kevin Harkey that did a lot of those shots, I'm like, dude, those, those, those gargoyles, God, they're really getting on my nerves, I mean, either either we got to have less gargoyles or, 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 or less drama and, you know, uh, Freudian you know, issues or whatever, you know, because the, the two are just, you know, bumping up. At the time I thought, oh, they're so beautifully balanced out. Like, no. and, well, what did not help, of course, was that, uh, and, and we were keenly aware of this on the tour, because we were seeing the ad, and towards the end of the tour, we were seeing the ads were going out that were like, join the party, make fun of 
you know, disabled, crippled people that have deformities. They would just, you know, cherry pick these moments from the movie that made it look like a fun oh, celebration. It looked, you know, to get all the uh, the soccer moms, as they were disparagingly called, you know, to go out and see the movie and uh, and think this is going to be a great romp for the yeah. kids. And mm-hmm. and I think it's it's really unfortunate. I think they did everybody a disservice because. Sorry, this was not meant to be a rag on, on Disney. <laughs> no. no, not at all. But, well, but, but you know, I just think it, it, I think it was unfortunate. And, and of course, that's how they promoted every movie up to that point. Well, yeah. Oh, and Wasn't it, that but, the first one rated PG? Or maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it may, I think. Well, Cauldron was the first Cauldron one rated PG. PG. Yeah, but it was okay. uh, it was on the heels of you have your Lion King and then your Pocahontas. Right. And then you dive into this really serious storytelling. And it's almost, it mirrors kind of what Pixar eventually did where they went to more serious like with up and with wally and mm-hmm. with a fun slapstick and yet a very serious story kind of thing yeah but pixar really pulled it off like brilliantly whereas disney kind of stumbled out of the- i would say like up you know. that did a great yeah. job yeah. with the yeah. ballads i just think that well, the- <laughs> I, yeah and i i think that i think pixar was was i think they well one thing is they had a lot more control over how their films were right. marketed you know right. at least certainly right. in the beginning when they were a little bit more they had a little more independence from disney uh, yeah. And they and they think they they had been uh, successful. I mean, they made successful films, and they yeah. were able to work up a reputation for being not quite like Disney. Not mm-hmm. everything right. was. Re- they weren't really musicals. They weren't really aiming exactly for that. Mm-hmm. You know, more narrow audience that, that is thought right. of. You know, which I think Schumacher fought against to kind of broaden the audience a little bit more with Hunchback and uh, Atlantis right. and films like that. You know, and so by the time they got to a movie like Up, which was really unusual and, and you know, kind of challenging for, a, you know, I, mean, I, I think even Finding Nemo was really skewed mm. a lot older than a lot yeah. of Disney films were. But I think people were ready for it and expected it and, and were willing to accept it. And of course, you know, Pixar just had hit after hit after hit. Right. So they mm-hmm. thought, I think people thought, well, this may not be exactly what I would expect from animation, but I know it's going to be good because yeah. Pixar did it and, and I will be prepared to have my expectations turned up on it right. yeah i think you know had disney tried any of those films i i think they would not have worked because right. you know people have yep. very set expectations for what a disney film it's could true. or yeah. should be and then of course it, like 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 i said it didn't help that you know disney is marketing it to people a movie like hunchback to people who probably would not enjoy seeing hellfire hellfire <laughs> what am i bringing my five-year-old to and then you know maybe the uh the you know the older teens and adults who might have enjoyed the film might have stayed away because it looked like just you know a silly yep. trivialized version of a serious piece of uh, fiction you know so right. You know, well, like, and it I kicks just, it kicks off with Topsy Turvy, or Topsy Turvy's in there. Topsy so this, Turvy. this, this yeah. fun rollicking, just like well, good no, time. So here it is. All, all the ads. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah. it's like, oh, that's not what this movie is about. <laughs> like, oh, that's just a little bit. Uh, no, so no, I definitely, no. I definitely want to ask you about Bolt because I've been yeah. raving to Jen for weeks about Bolt because Rhino, like I said, is one of my favorite characters, and the reason oh. I like him so much is because number one, he's loyal, he's dependable. And he has so much belief, not just in himself, but in other people. Yeah. So when you watch the movie, and of course, Bolt finds out he's not a super dog. He's actually just a regular dog with a painted right. lightning on, on the side. Rhino is not even phased. It's right. like, it's just, you know, and I have another podcast and um, uh, I, I do an autism podcast because my son is autistic. And one of the oh. ending tags I clipped from Bolt where it's basically, you know, uh, you can be awesome if you're awesome. That's how the whole <laughs> the show ends every time. And I love that line. Right. Uh, and I Sometimes love Bolt. Sometimes the impossible yes. can become possible if 
you're awesome. Exactly. <laughs> yes! I, which I think is a great line. Um, I, I just think, and, and I love, I love both. I, I love the, the movie and I love the character of Rhino. And so I guess my question for you is just talk a little bit about yeah. getting into that movie. How'd you become a part of that movie? Inspiration for Rhino, like the whole thing. Sure. Well, it was all my idea. I had to fight tirelessly to know. No, no, We're going to end the show right here so people will walk away from that and thinking that that's great. Right. That's right. It's all me. I deserve the millions. And <laughs> no, uh, as, as the voice people always get, whether they deserve it or not. No, and they often do. Uh, but uh, no, I, I, so I've been at Disney at this point for how many years probably well, like like uh, 11 or 12 mm -hmm. something like you know 10, 10 11 12 and you know worked on a few films and mm -hmm. i had you know so i i made friends with a lot of people that had been there as long or, or some longer than i had you know that, that had become directors and heads of story and such and and i'd also done you know little bit parts you know in in, in voices because like a mm -hmm. lot of people that work at disney you know, there's a lot of people from different backgrounds and interests and, and some of them are actually even if they're uh, you know, in modeling or rigging or programming or, mm -hmm. you know, but especially in animation and story, a lot of us are kind of, I think, frustrated actors that kind of act through our, our drawings, you know, or our, <laughs> sure. our, 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 our animated characters, uh, whatever. And especially in story, you know, you're, you know, in the early days, uh, you know, you're up there in front of a big cork board with all the drawings, you know, pinned up and, you know, pointing to it and you're kind of acting out the story, you know, and, and some people get into it more than others. And I, I tended to be one of those that did want to do voices and sound effects right. and stuff. And so it was not unusual for people like me to be tapped if, if we were halfway decent, uh, you know, to, to do the, the scratch voices, you know, the, the temporary voices for the story reels, you know, where they would take the, the, the drawings and, you know, add dialogue and temporary music and sound effects to make it feel more like it's going to be as a movie, you know, uh, yeah. you don't have to imagine, you know, whether how it's working, how it's flowing, how long it takes, uh, that kind of thing. A lot of directors uh, and, and producers also end up doing voices for the, you know, t the temporary voices for the, and some of them, I have to say, this happened a lot. I saw this at Disney where I, just, I, I really get attached to, uh, somebody in the voice tracks and then be kind of disappointed when the professional actor would come in and do what oh. I did not consider to be, I thought would be kind of a lesser version of those, of those characters. You know, some of them, I mean, a lot of them totally, you know, they earn their keep. They're worth all the, sure. uh, whatever money right, right. Uh, they, 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 they get, but you know, it's, it's, you, you always get attention. And then and when the same would actually happen with like 10 pieces of music where I get really attached to So there was some, there was a piece in Mulan that I just loved where Mulan is, this is the famous thing where she's cutting her hair and, you know, yeah. tying it up. And there's this piece of music that was so amazing. And I think they basically just tried to get Jerry Goldsmith to kind of do something as close to that as possible. But it just felt like, oh, but it's never going to be as good. as. And, and, and they ended up using the music in the trailer, too. I think the earliest trailer. So I thought, oh, I wish they could have just bought the rights for that. Yeah. May, I think it may have even been a Jerry Goldsmith piece from another movie, you know, or, oh. or something like that. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I but so in in the course of doing you know some scratch, I I did end up make you know not being on the cutting room floor a couple of times with doing the you know the the, the bulls Barry and Bob, which was a lot of fun because mm -hmm. I I got to write those characters. I kind of came up with that was a case where I really did kind of come up with those, right. uh, or I was I was they they, they they said come up with characters like this, and so I I wrote all the dialogue and kind of came up with their personalities and, mm -hmm. and then got to perform them, you know. Uh, 
much as Sam Levine did, got to do with the Willie brothers in the same movie, you know, and got to do the voices uh, as, as well. And, you know, I did, I did Goosey Loose. I mean, that's a whole other story about how I ended up being Goosey Loosey, but, uh, you know, and, and some other little bits and pieces and a lot of scratch stuff that nobody ever heard, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when, when Bolt was transitioning from American Dog, I, you should do it. You should, you should totally get Chris Sanders or some of the people that you, you could do a long podcast about huh. how American, what, what American dog was going to be and how that turned mm-hmm. into Bolt. Right. Um, both worthy films, but very different, you know, in their mm-hmm. own, in their own rights. Uh, you know, they'd come up with this idea of, of the sidekick of, of, you know, the, and I think uh, John Lasseter brought a chinchilla yep. in with, a, you know, within one of those rolling ball, balls and, and everybody got excited about this idea. This character that's in this plastic ball, you know, and sees everything like he sees television, you know, kind of from the the outside looking, you know, the inside yeah. looking out. In this mm-hmm. case, you know, and and there was some discussion about who could do the voice, and I and it's funny now because a few people, including the head story, have kind of fought for credit for the idea of casting me as the the voice, you know. But but the idea was like, oh well, I'd been here for a while, and I had kind of this you know kind of extroverted personality and got excited was uh, pretty exciting excited <laughs> i don't know if i'm exciting but i mean i was i would get easily excited about animation and disneyland the haunted mansion you know all these things you know i i don't know that uh, the 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 shine ever wore off for me you know right. as much as it did being at being at disney the, the place of my dreams uh and so this would be funny to get him to do the voice. And I think for a lot of people, the intention was that this would only go as far as, you know, the building right. and people who knew right. you would get a laugh out of somebody they recognized doing, doing the voice. And, you know, and, and it was great too, because the directors wrote themselves, wrote most of the dialogue that, mm-hmm. that Rhino had in the movie uh, them, themselves. And, you know, it was really, cause they, they really wanted to make that work. And the funny thing was, the, the earliest screenings where they had Rhino cut in, you know, you had, you had Chris uh, Williams doing bold and um, I, I'll never forgive myself. There's a really talented uh, 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 technician at Disney who did, was doing the voice of mittens, did a really great job. And these other people, and, but the thing is those characters were so complicated, you know, they, right. they, they go through mm-hmm. this very dark period where they're, they're, they, you know, they're not really themselves and they kind of have to find their way, you know, difficult journey making those making you like those characters when they're doing Mm -hmm. very unlikable things and they have you know all this growth whereas rhino of course has no character growth you know he's just silly and crazy and (laughs) delusional from beginning to almost you know maybe he he might get a little bit of an inkling towards the end but you know he's just he's just funny and crazy you know and so he was easy to like and 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 very accessible and there so i think there was this thought that like oh wow rhino's really working really well compared to some of the other characters especially right now do we really want to replace him with somebody else? I mean, maybe, maybe if somebody else does the voice, maybe he won't be as funny. Maybe he won't work. <laughs> and honestly, there's probably a number of people that they could have done that would have made him even greater, you know, right. even funnier. But there was, but I, I also think there was this kind of groundswell of support from, you know, kind of the support staff that had worked on the movie, this idea that one of their own could make it mm-hmm. into the final frame and get all the attention that they'd seen all these other people. And, and so there were a few people at least that, that I know that were like writing emails and said, you should keep Mark Wald. I, I think this might not work as well. Mark, you know, rightly or wrongly. Uh, and, and there was another person that they, that actually was going to be a voice, not for really the same character, mm-hmm. uh, but for a similar support character in American dog. 
And when that movie got shelved and got turned into uh, Bolt, he, he actually came back and said, well, wait a minute, can I be in this movie too? And they said, well, we don't have that character. And it was another character that I'd also done Scratch right. for. <laughs> oh. This, uh, this uh, six foot tall rabbit that worked in a gas station, uh, you know, in, this, in one of these uh, <laughs> fake towns that they did nuclear testing in. It was really weird. Uh, like I said, whole other story. If you wow, have already done a podcast, right? <laughs> you should you should do one or uh, or, or get somebody to. But um, but he came and said, and and they I guess they played a lot of my scratch for him, you know, with the hope that he could do mm-hmm. not just a copy, but mm-hmm. I guess in the end they said they felt like why are we asking somebody else to kind of copy what we think already works and. And so it was a year of me doing scratch and loving doing it, having mm-hmm. a blast. But right. I also think, but also having people say, "Do you think you might be in the movie?" It's like, "Oh, I can't get my hopes up." I was totally getting my hopes up. You of know, course, just, you know, <laughs> but before they, they they sprung it on me. And you may, if you have the the DVD, and I, I think the uh, the expanded version has the 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 prank that they played, where they pretended to have me record some extra dialogue, and then they snuck in the very end. Um, that I was going to be the voice of Rhino. And so they, they had me on, on microphone, on camera going, what, what, what? <laughs> you know, just, just completely flipping out, you know, right. so highlight of my life. Oh. So yeah, yeah. So that was, that was pretty, you know, I mean, it's the most exciting thing I've ever done. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, getting to go to the premiere of the film, which oh. I, you know, I did actually, the, the guy, I, I, when I worked on Chicken Little, they actually invited, uh, I think they may have invited everybody uh, that worked on the movie to the premiere, which was just not done. Oh, wow. Yeah. Time. You know, I mean, they would have, of course, they would have special screenings for the staff, but, but getting to meet the voice actors and mm-hmm. getting, you know, uh, but yeah, for me, it was, uh, you know, for Bolt, getting to walk down the red carpet, I got to bring all my family and rent a stretch limo, or I think they rented it for me. Right. You know, <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you one of the, one of the, the most, exciting things that, that happened to me on, on uh, with, with working on Rhino on Bolt was ha- uh, when we were getting ready, it, you know, my parents were so excited to be in the limo and go into the El Capitan <laughs> theater, you know, and the, 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 seeing the, the pipe organ rise out of the, uh, the, you know, the, the floor, you know, stuff like this mm-hmm. they'd never seen before. And we're, we're getting ready to get into the theater. Uh, somebody says, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Walton, Mr. McDowell would like to have a word for you. And this is Malcolm McDowell, who does the voice of the, the movie Cal- that, or the TV show villain, yeah, Dr. Dr. Claw, Calico, right? wasn't it? Or do- yeah, yeah, Calico. Cal- yeah, Calico. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, no, you're uh, Yeah, yeah, it was Dr. Calico, Dr. Yeah. Claw. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 uh, <laughs> that's Inspector Gadget. That's Inspector Gadget. <laughs> 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 no, sorry. Yeah, well, it's cat themed there. Yeah. I'm kind of sort of. No, I'm not even close at all. But Malcolm Dell, you know, it's amazing, yes. amazing. Yeah. You know, Clockwork Orange actor. You know, it's been mm-hmm. tons and tons of stuff. And and I go, oh, okay. I wonder what what he's gonna say. And he comes. It says, I I. I my my uh, pardon to your younger visitor, listeners in advance. Like you bloody bastard, you. You really did it, didn't you? I thought, oh no! You you took that move and you stole it away from us seasoned <laughs> actors, didn't you? Not not even a real actor, and you you stole the bloody show, didn't you? You bastard! Well, isn't that something? I'm like, I'm getting chewed out and, and cursed at by Malcolm McDowell. I can die now. It doesn't get any better than this, you know. 
that that was all. And we actually, I actually got to sit like a couple of seats away from from him and his uh, his lawyer or whatever. You know, oh. his, yeah, lovely man. That just, is just, wonderful. Just really, That's fabulous. Really fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just that was a whole year of mm. doing promotional tours wow. and uh, you know doing advertisements for the for the movie and for the mm. for the for the DVD release and the video game. They they did like a cruise ship thing mm. where. You're 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 pushing a virtual rhino like a, a, a shuffleboard <laughs> disc, you know, around around the deck of a cruise ship, and I did a day of grunts and squeaks and squeals, you know, and uh, we got to go to I got to go to France and do the premiere, the oh European God. premiere of Bolt there, and meet the cast. I got to I got to tour around Japan for two weeks uh, for the for the Japanese premiere, and you talked to me, I had a translator, and got to see oh, got to see. Disney, Tokyo Disney Sea. Have you guys oh, been to I've Tokyo been. Disney It's on my I've bucket list. Yeah. Dude, save your money. Oh. Don't, don't, don't just spend it on lesser things like, you know, food or toilet paper. You know, <laughs> save your money. <laughs> I'm telling you, the worst thing I can say about, sorry, I know this is probably not the podcast, no, but I'm going to Tokyo Disney Sea. The worst thing I can say about Tokyo Disney Sea is that I love Disneyland. I, I've always yeah. loved Disneyland. Mm -hmm. It makes Disneyland in California look like a cheap carnival attraction. Wow. Oh, shoot. Because they had, okay, because, you know, first of all, I, I really, I, I could go on for another hour. I won't. Um, stop me if I try. No. Uh, <laughs> You know, because they 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 had the money. They you know they they had uh, the Tokyo Land Management Company, whatever it's called, mm -hmm. putting up uh, at least half, maybe most of the money. So they had a yeah. lot more money to spend on this thing than they normally would have. You know, and not worrying about recouping their costs. Uh, and then they and they had so much money that they they uh, unlike a lot of the stuff that is uh, 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 farmed out to other companies. You know. Uh, for their parks now, uh, they actually could afford to use the Imagineering department to to design and build most of the stuff that's wow. in uh, the park over there. So, you know, like, for example, you know how the, uh, the dark ride, uh, Indiana Jones, there's this part where you're going by the skeletons that are blowing dark. And it's basically this, you know, this kind of cheap, you know, glow in the dark, you know, black light paint that's painted on a wall, you know. Yeah. These, oh, it's skeletons. <laughs> that's really scary. You know, you can feel the, the sound effects in the skin. Okay, everything, you go in the same part there, and it's these stone columns with, you know, with uh, Aztec heads. And you can see this little puff of smoke. Going, you know, you feel like oh. you're in the right. Temple of Doom, you know, and it's like that's way that way. Oh. For the whole thing. There's this giant green spectral tornado that they've created somehow, uh, you know, in the center as the centerpiece in the room. You go into you go into wait in line uh, for the ride. And, you know, the, unlike, you know, at Disneyland, they have this kind of show uh temple but the actual mm -hmm. ride is in this big mm -hmm. green warehouse you know where, where part of the parking lot used to be they've built a full-sized like mayan temple that houses the ride in jap mm -hmm. in, in japan and you go in, in, just waiting in line you go into this giant uh antechamber or whatever and there's this this huge uh, forearm statue of uh ink and death with mm -hmm. a thousand skeletons scattered at its feet you know that have been sacrificed <laughs> to this you know death god oh over the millennium i mean it's just and that's the whole park it's just like like it, it, no no 
uh, attention to, to detail spared, you know, no, 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 where they said, oh, if we spend a little bit more money, mm-hmm. we do this extra meal, it'll make it that much. And they just did it, you know, coupled with the fact that the Japanese are so scrupulously honest and, and you know, mm. kind of worried about shame that they, you don't have gum everywhere right. and people are yep. pulling, grabbing things and breaking things like, you know, they can actually afford to have really nice things within arm's reach that they trust people will leave alone. So, yeah, wow. just amazing. And, of course, that was when I went, you know, what's it been now? Uh, that was back in 2008, yep. 2009. Mm. Now... They've got the Beauty and the Beast. Have you seen the videos of the Beauty yes. and the Beast? Right? Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. my oh, yeah. gosh. They've got this, whole, and they're going to have this, whole, you know, maybe wait a couple years because they're going to have this whole land based on Peter Pan, you know, with a mo- like, you know, kind of a similar soaring over California type of thing and, and the, the, you know, the, the hideout tree for the lost boys. You know, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And what they do, they're, instead of like tearing down an old ride, they think, well, Everybody's loved this for 15 years. Let's tear it out and yeah. put something new. They just they just build out on more reclaimed land and build more, you know, so they, they keep all the great Crazy. stuff that everybody still loves and, and, and just give you more for your for your uh, yen or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, yen, it uh, sounds like an but, agency trip. We just need to grow as a group. And I just, mean, obviously. Uh, like, you're the boss. I'm waiting for you to been, do it. It's literally <laughs> been on my list forever. I mean, Yeah, so anyway, like, I, 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 yeah. that was the first time I went to that park and that was worth being the voice of rhino all by itself you know wow. just well, a couple more questions <laughs> and go back to the voice of rhino <laughs> yeah how, literally with the voice of rhino how is that is that something you came up with is that something people suggested that you do because it, it's a very unusual voice it's not hard to do but it's very frenetic and very just like squeaky and just you know it's and it's so, so awesome but it's so like powerful when he talks yeah. because well, one of my favorite scenes is when mittens is in the tree and she won't come down and bolt's barking at her and she's like you're a tv dog you know and and so rhino comes up and he's like i'll go get a ladder and so later on you see he's pushing a ladder with a little ball he went and got his ladder to get mittens and i and i just i love that about rhino about you know so the the voice of rhino how did how did that voice come about well well i should i I mean again i really have to get give all the credits Mm -hmm. uh to you know to chris williams and to Mm -hmm. byron howard who came came on a little later as the the co-director for their their concept for the character and his his personality and and and, you know Mm -hmm. all of his dialogue i don't i don't think i I wish i could say i'd improvise some of the dialogue i I, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe a grunt or a laugh here and there but everything was very carefully crafted carefully Mm -hmm. thought out you know uh much of uh, probably at least about half of what's in the movie uh, had been figured out before I ever came aboard, you know, yeah, to, okay. to start doing uh, the voice. Although the, the one thing that did happen was that as as people started to really like Rhino more and more, there was a, it, I think I think you brought up how how loyal and right uh, you know true he is. There was a version of the movie when when I was first brought on where Bolt tries to do the difficult task of explaining to Rhino before they get to the movie set that that he's not a really a right. superhero and that it's all fake and then um is it some of this maybe is maybe some of this is in the dvd i don't know um you know of of cut scenes where and then and and he's trying to explain it and he's he doesn't want to break his heart and then rhino sees some action here says oh my gosh it's arnold schwarzenegger he's a real hero and just and forgets all about bolt and they thought that was hilarious and at some point they said we can't have Rhino do that. That's just, that won't yeah. feel right. You know, this, people will be really upset. People love Rhino. They yeah. want him to, to give up on his, his idol, you know. And so they came up with this whole 
you know, they, they added the, the, you know, the kind of the inspiration, I think the two inspirational speeches mm-hmm. where he kind of gets mittens to, mm-hmm. to keep looking for bolts and he keeps, and he gets, he gets uh, bolts to go and say mittens. And, and then the, the, the big thing at the end where, you know, he, he tries, he actually has a tiny role in saving, helping bolt to save Penny, you know, yeah. with his, with his ball, which I think is, not just because it make, makes me and my part look better, but I just thought it was right. better storytelling. <laughs> right, too. right, I'm right. Really glad. Well, you technically happened. stole the movie. They were right. I mean, I mean, you were you stole the movie. It's correct. And, well, you know, I had a lot of help, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it is, there was a, you know those animators and yeah. those writers and those other people that you know like did and all the. It is a beloved movie because it is sitting at eighty nine percent of Rotten Tomatoes, so it's not like one of those just completely forgotten films. And it's 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 a it's a great film. It is so, nice to, that it's getting some attention yeah. now. I think I think maybe maybe more so now than it, when it first. Disney you know, Plus is out. also helping too because pe- more people I think are discovering it or yeah. rediscovering it. It's like oh yeah, I saw this movie when it came out and I liked it and here it is again. Basically, I tried what I thought when I first was brought on. You know, you know, I tried on like several kind of cartoon hamster or a couple anyway, how mm-hmm. I thought he might be. And what I was told really easily, quickly is like, you don't have to do that. Just just be you, you know, uh, just do your <laughs> voice the way right. you would react in these situations. And so, I mean, the, really the only, the big difference between Rhino, Rhino's voice and my, my normal speaking voice is that I, I have to speak more clearly and enunciate mm-hmm. uh, and, and a little more rapidly, you know. And, and sure. I have to say, really, the, the directors went over, Every every line that I did with a fine tooth comb, saying, "Can you can you speak up a little? Can you be a little quieter at the beginning and ramp up into a, something louder at the end? You know, or or try, yeah. You know, uh, many I would do many many like that that inspirational speech that he gives to to mittens at the end. Mm. I must have done like three separate recording sessions that you know uh, they have uh, at least a hundred takes. Before. Oh wow! And and I think in in that case they were also like taking like they were like snipping. Uh, a line from one take here and a line from this take over here and yeah. just blending right. it together so right. that they could get the perfect. So really, you know, I'd love to say, oh yes, that all came to me. But yeah, they, <laughs> they knew exactly how to get what they wanted from me. And sometimes it, it took them a long time before I gave them what they wanted. Yeah. yeah so, so yeah, so that crazy voice is kind of me with a lot of coaching and a lot of you know, focus and effort on my part. Well, um, as, as an editor of this podcast, that's how I make Jen sound so good. I just take a little snippet here, a little snippet there, put it all together so she sounds cohesive mm-hmm. and coherent. Dude, it's work, but it makes I, her sound great. It really does. Yeah, uh, wow. You know, I mean, in, in animation <laughs> in particular, like, man, if you if you have a good editor, they can, they can really, you know, they, there's the talk, you know, about how uh, Star Wars was a great film in no small part because uh, George Lucas's wife, was the editor of the right. film and, and kind of saved sure. a lot of stuff and made stuff kind of come together and make, make sense. You know, I believe it, you know, a, 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 a great, a, a film, get a, an editor can really make or, or kind of ruin Absolutely. a right. film if they, right. you know, depending on, on uh, partially on what they have to work with, but, but yeah. you know, what they can do. Uh, and yeah, we, we, we had a great, great editor on Bold and I've worked with a lot of really just amazing, yeah. uh, terrific editors over the years. One more movie I wanted to ask you about real quick uh, before we go is Rio 2. And the reason I want to ask you about that is because <laughs> I, mentioned, I mentioned my child with special needs and he gets on kicked where he watches a certain movie over and over and over. Our family, my wife and I saw Rio 2 every day for probably six or seven straight months. Now this is oh, wow. this is this is before we went we, we went to Inside Out 
and then we went to Rio and then we went to Rio two and then back to something and then back to Rio two. So we have like, we know Rio two front, front and back and everything. So I just wanted to ask you on a personal level, like what was your involvement with Rio two? Well, it's an, I, I think it's an interesting story. So I was, this was an unusual situation where I was brought in to uh, blue sky for kind of this uh, six month period where most of what I did, I, I, I had like a few weeks where I, mm-hmm. I did some exploration on uh, Epic. Uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think that was, that was the only other film that I worked mm-hmm. in, but every, everything else that I did was, was doing stuff for Rio too. And it was a very unusual situation where, especially for them, this was, I think the first or the second movie that they had done where they were gonna try to work through the entire movie and story before putting most of it in production. What they had done up until this point was uh, they would storyboard act one, you know, and do a lot of revisions and cuts and stuff. And then they'd, they'd look at it and say, okay, that looks great. Put it into production. Now let's work on act two, you know, which I thought was insane. Like yeah. what do you, you don't even know how it's going to end yet. I mean, or, or you don't know, maybe, maybe you, they had a script, maybe they did, maybe they just had an outline. How do you know if it's going to work out? And, and yet it always did, you know, these movies would make more and more money and they were doing really successful. So who was to tell them they were doing it the wrong way. And somebody at someone along the line said, look, no, no, this is a crazy way to make movies. You should really, try to develop most of it and see if it works before, you know, uh, spending millions of dollars, you know, doing, doing production stuff that you can't, you won't be able to mm-hmm. afford to undo later if it's, if it's wrong. Right. Um, uh, there was, there was some kind of crazy stuff like that that happened on Home on the Range, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> uh, we're, 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 well, Maggie's voice was redubbed you know, kind of close mm-hmm. to the end. And they actually, uh, some of it, they, they reanimated a lot, but they rewrote, but some of it, they just basically had Roseanne Barr uh, re, just redo uh, the voice that this other oh uh, character had already, this other voice actor was really mm-hmm. great, had done in a completely different way. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, a lot of that movie was reanimated. Mm-hmm. You know, like wow. third of it, half of it maybe, you know, after, you know, making it, some of it through color, uh, mm. really crazy. Um, so with Rio 2, they were, they were gonna try to work this all out in advance or as much of it as they could. And I was part of a team uh, with two other story artists who were much, much, much better than I uh, was that uh, were going to try to figure out Nigel's kind of B story to the mm-hmm. film because uh-huh. you know, what we, we had heard, what, what, they, what they were telling us was that Nigel was a very popular villain from the first film and mm-hmm. they wanted to expand his role. They wanted to give him more to do and maybe even give him a little bit of an arc, you know, in this film. And so we spent the whole, nearly the whole six months trying to figure out this whole thing of, you know, uh, Nigel, who's working with Gabby, who's this mm-hmm. uh, poison tree frog, you know, his skin is toxic. And uh, this uh, anteater that wears a hat and a vest, mm-hmm. we never find out why. And, and how they, <laughs> they had, they started this little sideshow somewhere uh in was it in south america or australia south america you know i i i think they stayed in south america who knows it could have been anywhere yeah. you know well they were, the <laughs> story was they were going from rio to the rainforest that's what it was the, the so, blue, so it would have been somewhere in rio de janeiro yeah. that they said yeah. somehow they have a very american looking you know kind of uh, <laughs> you know sideshow style uh you know thing well with, with the first priests. one had carnival presented at this very family 
friendly entertainment parade with just floats and dancing. That's all it was. And I'm like, I think there's more to carnival. Mm, than just more than I mean, family there, is, there is that. I'm sure there's that in addition yeah. to a few other yeah. things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so but anyway, so we, we worked out this whole story about how they work there. You know, I, I, I did this all this exploration about all the crazy jobs that, uh, that, that he worked as a whack-a-mole for a while, you know. And <laughs> I, I came with all kinds of crazy ideas they were never going to use. Uh, but they, they escaped together mm-hmm. and then they they, they they run into to to blue you know while he's on vacation with his family and and her his wife is trying to reconnect with her family you know this very involved story of of him you know like kind of meet the parents with mm-hmm. the dad that doesn't yeah. approve of him and then there's this whole other story of you know the rainforest that's being torn apart and they're going to try to save it. So on top of all that, we were, we were doing this really long, complicated story with, uh, uh, with Nigel, who was going to initially say, Oh, I've got blue in my clutches. I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy him. I'm going to humiliate him. And, and what he was, what, what we were going to have him do was that he was going to get attached to his daughter, Bia, who in this version had, I think there's a little bit of this in the movie as it was where she had aspirations of being a singer, a star, a mm-hmm. performer, and he was going to kind of find her and wear like a mask made out of mm-hmm. leaves or yep. something to kind of look like Phantom of the Opera and say, Oh, I will be your mentor. I will, I will teach you to sing and be great. Like I was, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and come up, he came up with this wild, convoluted thing where they were going to put on a performance for all the macaws and she was going to be the star of the show that he would coach her how to how to sing and dance and then at a critical moment uh the 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 frog you know his kind of uh, would would poison her and kill her and her other brother and sister in front of their parents and in front of the whole <laughs> flock of blue macaws you know so his revenge would be Complete. We 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 you know we storyboard these long scenes and yeah we try to try to try to figure out and then uh, the idea was that of course that uh, uh, well of course that it, seemed, it seems so obvious to me now you know but uh, people like probably would have said like what uh, that in time uh, Nigel would become attached to be a recognize a little bit of himself and her and not be able to go through with it mm. which would drive the frog crazy and right. and because she's crazy in love with nigel and he she would become jealous of the attention that bia is getting and so then she ends up trying to kill bia and you know i and, and uh you know and then you find out at the at the last minute that somebody's convinced this frog along the way that she was poisoned and actually she doesn't yeah. she doesn't actually have any any poison so <laughs> she tries to kill her and then she tries to kill herself and, and then and nigel dives in the way and we think she's killed him and then they're both going to die like romeo and juliet um so if you know we did all this stuff and, and there and then there's going to be all this stuff where nigel's going to actually help the the kids save the rainforest from the loggers like he really has a change of heart yeah. you know and it becomes kind of a a little hero you know in, in a way you know and we were like we were so excited was like this is gonna be awesome people are gonna love nigel he's gonna be so be so much more deep and complex and we we pitched you know, after several months i don't know like three or four months of the six we pitched this idea to the director and the story crew and what we get is well this is so great but it's it's going it's going to be more important and more interesting than the movie that we're actually trying to tell about blue and the relationship with his father-in-law and everything well, we're like 
Dude, it's not called blue too. It's real too. You can be about whoever you want. As right. long as you have the same characters, you can be making Nigel's movie. And they're like, no, I think we, we kind of have to cut this stuff out because it's just, just going to take over. Oh. So what remains, you know, mm -hmm. of, of our long convoluted, you know, story arc for Nigel and, and, uh, uh, uh Gabby and uh, I can't remember the name of the, the anteater, you know, is this song that, that uh, Gabby sings, you know, at the beginning yeah. and the very end where, you know, the, the fake suicide scene. Right. And I got to say, they're my favorite parts. Of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Those were good parts. And Jen, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not biased at all. You I don't know? know if you remember, Jen, but Kristen Chenoweth does the voice of Gabby. Yeah. So it's oh, like yes. a song yes. where it's like this Broadway style production. Which of is her amazing. It's, it's, it's wonderful. She's well, yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, of course, they were completely right. It was just, it was way too much story to tell, you know, and, and too, too many, too many things to, to tie up and too many issues to resolve. And, you know, and, and with everything going on in, in the, 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 the Brazilian rainforest right now, maybe it's, it's a good thing that they actually gave a significant <laughs> amount of screen time to this, this right. issue that we should all be worried yeah, about right. and, and upset about and mm -hmm. maybe, you know, writing letters and, mm -hmm. and doing something about it instead of, you know, this fictional, you know, uh, cockatoo that's, you know, I, I have to say one thing that was really cool too, is that very briefly, um, the guy who, uh, Jermaine Clements, who did his voice actually came into the studio. And the crummy thing was, uh, there was a day where I, they were hoping I would pitch my scene to Jermaine Clemens and do, and I, oh. I would do his, I would do his right. voice and the, the creep, <laughs> the creepy, you know, former star turns evil super villain, you know, but I was working on Epic that day and nobody told me what was going oh, on. No. And so I, I brushed by him in the hallway. I was like, Oh, Hey, Jermaine Clemens. It's like, Oh, you're interesting. Get away from me. Who are you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> my, my bad Jermaine Clements uh, invitation but but I but it's still the, the idea that I got to you know storyboard some stuff right. that a yeah. little tiny bit yeah. of it that's, that he actually uh, that's really animated, cool. you know you were... I, I think I think we actually wrote a little bit of the dialogue you know to the, oh, the wow. three of us you know so that you know a little little part so yeah the rest of that stuff I can't take any credit <laughs> for at all I mean I I, I gave I, the, the movie that you've grown to know and love you know it was, it was really completely almost completely outside of my, my well, just uh, know that, influence, that even I, a small part of that being a small part of that movie, you're yeah. part of a movie that is much beloved in our home. And well, so, especially for my child, he loved and he'll sing the song, he'll randomly say the line, stuff like that. So, so oh, yeah, so very great. good. Uh, Mark, this has been wonderful. We're kind of running up on time, but uh, I gotta tell you, this has been fantastic. Fantastic, we, yeah. And those stories you keep saying, that's another podcast, that just means we're gonna have to do another podcast, correct? Sure, sure. come on I'd back. Love yeah, we'd where, love to hear those. Where stories. can we find you? If people want to follow you online mm -hmm. on the socials, where would they find you? Oh, that's a boy. I told myself I was going to be ready for this, and then I, I, I forgot. So okay, so I'm I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm I'm Mark Walton, and I, I don't know if your your podcast you know, you know, if you'll have pictures of me. You oh know, yeah, we, I, we will follow you. And you know, actually, yeah. the, I should say like I, I have an artist page which actually has a picture of me about 15 years ago. My my current Facebook page has a has a picture of my daughter on it. But you know, if you, you if you look yeah. at the credits, you know, I'm in Utah and I worked on Disney movies. There's look not for the guy who did Psycho Marvel. Cop. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not too many Mark Waltz that fit that. You know, I, I am on IMDb. Most of right. my credits are, are correct. Right. A, I, I think they've I think they've taken the uh, the nut job and, and Topia off finally. So most most of what there is stuff I've actually done. Gotcha. Psycho Cop excluded. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm on Twitter as Mark Rhino Walton. Uh, I, okay. I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit more active on there and put stuff up here and there. Uh, I've got an Instagram account, Cram Not Law. That's basically my name just spelled backward, you know, Cram Mark oh, Not Law Walton. Nice. You know, just all, all, all right. one, one word uh, run together. Um, I also... Yeah, you know, Facebook is a pretty good way to get a okay. hold of me. I, I, I probably check that. Yeah, that, that's yep. me. Perfect. That's me. Perfect. Yeah, I probably check Facebook okay. more frequently and faithfully than I do uh, everything else. I'm, I'm will, trying to get better. I really we'll definitely link to all your stuff. If you go to our website uh, for the audience, the MSE Podcast, go in the sidebar there under Friends of the Show. We'll have your picture up. And you click on the picture, and it'll take you to one of his pages where you can find everything else. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mark, this has been fantastic. Um, we have I have laughed quite a bit here. And it's, <laughs> like, I'm a right, big right back at you. Jen and I are both big fans of Disney history. So just Absolutely. hearing the backstories behind some of these movies is fascinating. And so, uh, so yeah, we will definitely have you yes. on. Thank you so much, Mark. Absolutely. You bet. Hey, let's, let's, I, I'd love to talk to you guys more, but you know, just not, if it doesn't have to be on a podcast or whatever, but you know, about Disney stuff or the Haunted oh, yeah. Mansion or <laughs> you're on movies, <laughs> mansion, what? cartoons, let's Disneyland, do an episode. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'd love that. Yeah, I, I, if if it weren't for the distance and the uh, pandemic, I'd say we should all go hang out sometime. You know, but uh, down down the road, you know, down, down the road, road post pandemic, yep. we will make that happen. That would be awesome. That'd, That'd be, be fantastic. Awesome. So, such a pleasure to meet you guys. Thanks oh, for nice wanting to, to do this you. with me. This is fun. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so Jen, listening back to this, whenever I, I was editing and everything, I was cracking up at the table, just listening to him oh talk, gosh. and just, it's so, he's just a funny guy, and I love, uh, he's great. He's I love his great. enthusiasm for the show, and I love him wanting to be on the show, and you know, we're going to have him back again, uh, maybe yes. after the first of the year, and absolutely, maybe, maybe he could be our guy, he could be like our regular or something, and that would be great. He's, seriously, I had so much fun chatting with Mark, I and can't I'm, wait to have him back on. And now I'm thinking when you decide you're done with me on this podcast and you put full time into divas, I wonder if Walton would be a good podcast. Mm. Okay. So anyway, I was just thinking out loud. Um, yeah. You didn't hear that. <laughs> I was muting you. You didn't hear that at all. Anyway, so <laughs> find us online, the MSE podcast.com. You can find all Mark's information. Go to the sidebar. They mm -hmm. see the friends of the show. You'll see Mark. You'll see, uh, you'll see big fat panda. You'll see the Imagineers. You'll see all the people we've had on the show. And of course, you'll even see too. Christine. Yes. You'll see Christine and all the episodes you can find her on. And coming up in two weeks you'll see stacy from the must do disney which i'm also super mm -hmm. excited about having yes on. um so this is this is great i love this podcast only because i get to meet people of course eisner and samantha brown yeah. are next not yet <laughs> working on it We're working on it well maybe we have them on together just two you know two birds bobs. With, with the bobs with the bobs well, that would be a great zoom call bob Iger, <laughs> bob chapik michael eisner and uh, samantha brown the two of us what could go wrong i what could go that would be fantastic and we'll just <laughs> You know what? What the heck? We'll bring on Big Fat Panda with that on that show too, and let's just have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and Christine going, Wait, who are you again? Wait, who are you again? <laughs> oh no, so you're the Stacy girl, Samantha Brown. Were you on the History Channel with the Pawn Shop guys? I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> oh my gosh! Find us online as well, of course. Jen, where can we find you? Where would people go to find you? Because as of today, you're in Disney World. You're you're heading oh, down yes, there now. Yes, as of today, so people I, um, are going to follow you in all the social places. Where? On all the social places at Jen underscore Novotny or at 
uh, Jen Novotny. If, oh my gosh, at Jen underscore Novotny is my personal. And <laughs> at Upon a Star Jen is everywhere else. Okay, I get confused. It happens sometimes. It happens because you're getting older and the mind going. And just oh my it's gosh, whatever. no, it's because I haven't had enough coffee yet. Yeah, so. that happens. That happens too. You can find yeah. me online. Find me on Instagram. Super Dave Three Ten is my regular, and find me on my Instagram on Disney or for my travel stuff. And that is Dave Magic Travel. Awesome. Now you might think to yourself, "Weren't you magic on a dollar?" I was. I was at one point before Instagram said I wasn't anymore. Now there is a guy on there thing that that calls himself Magic on a Dollar Trend. He's a fake. R-E-N-D. He's a fake. He's got my fake. picture on his uh, on his profile there with a bunch of pictures below it that I have no idea who these people are. But I can't contest it because I'm not magic on a dollar uh, anymore. So Instagram's like, well, we don't know who you are. So whatever. So don't follow magic on a dollar trend. Don't do that. Find us on, uh, on Facebook as well. You can find uh, Janet upon a star. Jen, you can find mm-hmm. me Disney on a dollar and magic on a dollar. Find us both at mm-hmm. the on Facebook yep. as well. Jen, let's finish the show up with a magical moment. What do we have? Well, here's a magical moment from our good friend, Heather. I love and- Heather. Oh my gosh, we love Heather. And she has two of the most adorable girls ever. Um, You can find her at the Moana Mom on Instagram and see she's a lot of fun to follow and her two girls are. And she's adopted both of those kiddos from China. And so as a result of traveling to China now twice, she has been to Shanghai Disneyland twice. Mm -hmm. And she fell in love and her magical moment was arriving before uh, picking up her oldest daughter, Kyliana. And she—that's a great name too. I love it. I know, isn't it such a cute name? Oh my gosh! And she's adorable. So, and it was just so magical because she just she had been waiting for that moment anyway. But she visited Shanghai Disneyland and she rode Pirates of the Caribbean for the first time over there. I mean, she'd obviously written it here, but she said the Imagineering was so awesome and she was so emotional anyway because she was about to meet her daughter for the first time like a day or so later. And she was just sobbing. She just said it was just so magical being in her favorite, like at her favorite place in terms of Disney. She was at a Disney park in a country where she was going to adopt her first child. So very magical moment. And now Kylie loves it too. So. Mm -hmm. Love it as they sh- as they should. Yeah, go follow yeah. her. Go follow us. Go follow all the adventures and everything here on uh, here on Mag- Mainstream Electrical Podcast. What am I going to say? Mainstream Electrical Podcast. That's where we are. And uh, for Jen, <laughs> I'm Dave. Don't forget to thank those Phoenicians. Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Electrical Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the MSE Podcast. Or visit our website at themsepodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe and may all your wishes come true.